0: Welcome to Home and Identity, a podcast examining the meaning of these words in the lives of immigrants and expats. I am your host and producer of this podcast, Sarah Tori. My guest, Emily, a professional musician and pianist, left the city of Guiyang in China over 15 years ago for the final destination of the United States. However, she faced some challenges arriving to this destination. She told me about those challenges and some of her other experiences along the way. I hope you enjoy this episode, and let's have a listen. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for joining me. Welcome to the show. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Emily, and uh, I... I am going to be forty in uh, two months, so <laughs> I'm getting there. Uh, but well, age is in the mind. So uh, i been to, <laughs> I am originally born and raised in China, and mm-hmm. I have been to America. This is my fifteenth
0: year. Yeah, happy early birthday! Uh, forty is definitely fun. I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share so Emily. <laughs> Right. So can you um, tell me a little bit about uh, which part of China you're from, because uh, China is quite vast. So which area are you from? And can you tell me a little bit about um, language or languages spoken in, in your sure. region? And if there are other, I, I really don't like the use of the, of the word minorities, but for the lack of a better term, are there big minorities in your area and how, how is kind of geographically climate-wise what was it like
1: sure uh my hometown is called so in china i think you can compare to province to state and so my province is guizhou and my city is um so we have my, my my hometown is near southwest it's like a an hour not even less than an hour flight to Sichuan if people you know, yes. some the pepper, yes, <laughs> yes. exactly. I so think that's very close, and then we have similar cuisine. Uh, we all okay. love spicy food, so very good. That's a part. Uh, so it's funny because my hometown's weather is paralleled with uh Bay Area weather, which is interesting, okay. yeah. Because right. I notice every time my mom say Hey, you know, uh, it's raining here, I'm like, Oh, it's raining here too. And the temperature is very similar somehow, but we That's don't, amazing. it is. It's, I didn't realize that. And and later on, I realized, oh, okay, you know, people call my city like a spring city. Like it, not, it, it will not get too hot. It will not get too mm-hmm. cold. And people from the north, which is the coldest part of China, will oftentimes come to my city doing like December through February, um, and people from, uh, the coast cities will come to my hometown during summertime, so they get a much better, comfortable weather over there. Um, nice. Language wise, we have, you know, we have lots of different dialects in China. Hmm. Like almost every province you go to, they speak different dialogues It drives me nuts. Right. <laughs> So um, so my hometown's dialogue is actually pretty similar to Mandarin, but we just have different tune. Um, oh, but the pronunciation okay. of words, are very similar. It's just different tone.
0: So when I was reading about it, um, it was calling it actually Southern Mandarin. And uh, that, that was interesting to me because um, obviously I have very l- limited or very uh, small knowledge of the uh, Asian languages in general, but um, a bit more familiar with with Koreans through uh, K-dramas. <laughs> oh, you're, you're a
1: K-drama people too. Me too, oh, actually. Oh, yes. oh
0: great. <laughs> and it was kind of comparing it to um, Korean a bit and, and Japanese dialects, and uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with Japan, so that was kind of comforting. But it was interesting to see that because I thought to myself, is it, is it kind of like the southern american english that we speak to so our our accent is a little bit different or southern mandarin is kind of uh incomprehensible for somebody who speaks mandarin or can Uh, you easily understand one another
1: i can do a demonstration just easily say hello
0: please Mm. yes
1: in mandarin uh when you say hello you say nǐ hǎo but Mm -hmm. in my hometown dialogue we say nǐ hǎo so the pronunciation is pretty similar just the tone is is very similar so the tone is different that's all but like i don't think there. yes there may be accent in actually smaller village near my hometown Mm -hmm. but where i live it's more like an urban city so you know people do speak a little bit different but Mm -hmm. there's not like a big accent but they are different thing, different words. We describe things differently away from Mandarin. Okay. Yeah,
0: that's that's really cool. Um, I'm really drawn into any conversations about languages, so that's very fascinating to me. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, Goyang, uh your city where you grew up. What was it like uh, growing up there? And You and I very briefly talked about some of the limitations that uh, you had back there in terms of having access to uh, certain things such as um, music CDs or movies and things like that. Um, Kind of paint me a picture. What was it like? Living there, it's funny because Guiyang, to be honest, is
1: not like Beijing and Shanghai, so Uh, Mm well-developed. It's still, you know, probably... If you if you trying to uh categorize the city in China by um ec- uh economic level, probably my city is probably will be categorized uh at the third place or fourth okay. place. You know, Beijing and Shanghai they're like first and second. So my hometown isn't like that blooming as Beijing and Shanghai. However, uh they are a large group of young people that just has this heart for arts. Okay. And so people trying to find any ways to find resource. And, you know, I before the internet gets so uh, popular, which in my mind, that was like during 1998 in my city, probably in another mm-hmm. city, it will be different years. But before that, it really just uh, cassette tape, cd videotape and some of those things uh from other countries you can't even find it in a regular store so we have to do go to like and then no one will tell you hey that store sell uh, cd from america you have to know someone to know that store sell the CD. sure
0: otherwise and, they get in trouble probably
1: right <laughs> yeah yeah and i assume it's probably illegal because it's not on the rack you go there you have right. to ask and then they ask you "Like, who introduced you here who let you know about my place it's and then it's like a speakeasy for
0: cds <laughs> it's kind of like give me the password before i can show you the goods
1: yes <laughs> yes exactly exactly so that's how we get you know that's um they called i don't know if the that's the english uh, uh real english word either you call it the chipped city or cracked city. Um, okay. So they they somehow, they find a way to get a city. Uh, they say it's in it's perfect condition in America mm-hmm. or some other country. So they trying to get rid of it and someone see the opportunity and brought it to uh, <laughs> China. So it was a big deal, <laughs> like for for rock band, uh, for, any underground music scene people love to collect cracked cd
0: would somebody get in trouble if anybody from the government um officials basically found these cds in your home
1: no i think that's why it's cracked you can say oh it's it's broken i found it in the trash can
0: So there are no fines or sort of punishment for no, having no this in your possessions you just have to find a, an, an interesting funny way to obtain it basically yes
1: yeah. <laughs> i think it's probably yeah. illegal for people uh, making money off it but once you have yeah. it you can make up stories how you get it you know so
0: and were you then able to um, make copies of these cds or somehow publish them some other ways and i mean,
1: how was the copyright
0: laws over there? <laughs> We're talking you know, a long time I, ago.
1: So. <laughs> I do believe they're not cheap, actually. Yeah. Um, if okay. you think about in the American dollar value, those things back then, that was like 1995, it will cost the equal amount of value of like $20. But oh my God. it's not cheap. Like It really
0: is not cheap and that's expensive now i mean especially with all of the resources that we have to get your music anywhere you want you know
1: totally and then you know, our musicians get paid poorly <laughs> i'm just saying
0: musicians but, get paid nothing exactly yeah. yeah so who cares about the musician right
1: <laughs> that's right that's for right. musicians yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like there's, there's a... which is actually yeah, oh, okay. oh i would just remember a joke and it's like what's your job? I'm a musician. Oh, okay. What's your job? What's your job? <laughs> musician.
0: That's not your, that's, that's a hobby.
1: That's not <laughs> a job. It's so is,
0: actually, this is what I was going to ask you is, um, which I didn't ask you at the beginning was, uh, what do you do? And <laughs> what did you study? Cause we met through music, our, our mutual love of music. Um, yeah. For me now it's it's become more of a hobby and for you it's it's still your for real job. So
1: Yeah. <laughs> me. I was like, oh my god, I have to uh I have to pray and then be appreciated that I can still be doing music as a job, even though people don't think that's a job. Uh <laughs> I um, that? I uh, I'm a pianist. I studied uh piano performance uh in China, in Germany and in the US. And right now I'm actually the chair of the Instrumental Music Department at Oakland School for the
0: Arts. You did say that you studied um, in China and uh, you went to university in uh, Guiyang and you had uh, your education there and then um, to Germany for a year and then to the States uh, to continue the education. Can you give me a little bit of a background about what education was like prior to university events? So what was the primary education like there? Was it free? did you have to pay hefty amounts of student loans like we do here? What was it like?
1: <laughs> uh, no really you know before before college like so this in China there's like a, uh, rules it's like nine years free education. so whether you go to mm-hmm. starting elementary school all the way to high school, it's all free. Uh, they are small amount of private school. But usually they have um they have a special mission. Like, oh, you know, we're a school we're teaching English mainly, or um there is some like oh we're teaching friends or we we're teaching uh some other language. So but that's okay. a very small amount. Um, okay. And people still it's funny like people the public school, the free school, are the harder one to get in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they, you know, first of all, they're free, and then there are lots of lots of prestigious school, middle school, elementary school, high school, all the way to college. Okay. Um, so, my education is funny because, basically, I think my mom and my dad decided I'm going to be a musician before I even came out to the world. <laughs> so. <laughs> My mom was it because a, you're
0: coming from a musician family was it something that they practiced as well
1: yeah yeah my mom is a opera singer my dad is oh. a ballet dancer so
0: i remember you were talking about yes now
1: i remember okay yeah so so that's why before i was even born they probably like okay she's gonna be a musician no matter what and i'm like great <laughs> i don't have to pick
0: so i so have, I have to ask the white musician and not a dancer yeah. <laughs> I guess your mom won, <laughs> or did they flip a No, coin I, absolutely see did.
1: Wins? I did everything, you know, when I was little, I was uh, doing singing, I was learning piano and I was dancing and dancing is still like oh. a passion of mine until this day, just nice. no one really knows. Because... <laughs> so like, next okay, time I'm I see like... you,
0: you got to perform dance and <laughs> sing. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, that's like a, sounds like American talent show, but not really talent, <laughs> but it's American show. <laughs> Some but, kind of show. <laughs> yeah. But I was really, you know, and I did a lot of things like there was, it's not, I'm, um, I'm trying to learn lots of things. It's just somehow I was in the environment. I have the resource mm-hmm. and I was really fully engaged with rock band so I have oh, okay. rock band for like 15 years but huh. the problem is this is funny to talk about in China I don't think it's gonna work you know because how rock there's, band is there's much future is. for that <laughs> yeah it's like you talk about the things you don't like right you probably uh, express how you don't like your, your, your city, you know, like the people around you, you may talk about something related to government. Yeah, that's never gonna work. And uh, people see, people look at uh, rockers in China, it's like they are some, uh, not terrorists,
0: rebellious kind,
1: rebellious kind, they feel like you're immature. And it's mm-hmm. just the, the other thing is just people not open minded, but now it's different. Now it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back then, it's a very underground thing to do. But I was mm-hmm. so passionate about it. But at the same time I'm also maintained as a classical pianist, as you can imagine, is how funny that is. And my, yeah. my, my mom is I like I can't
0: no. imagine you doing rock singing and being a fan. I'm just I'm just in awe of all of your talents. I'm, I'm learning so much about you. This is, wonderful. this is this is this is why I do this. So I can learn about you. <laughs> I, now Snooping I'm new to your world. I'm like, this is, this is really odd. Because
1: like people think about classical pianists, right? Like you practice every day and you always wear proper dress or suit, whatever. And But at the same time, I'm like, I'm doing like hip hop dancing, I'm doing rock band. And it's very, awesome. very uh, contrast activity I'm doing all at the same time. Um, but I think
0: it goes back to the practicality of it that you were talking about, because I remember when I was a kid, and this was back in early 90s, late 80s, when we, whenever we could get our hands on some uh, videotape of Michael Jackson's concerts, for instance, I was just watch them over and over again i would have the dance moves memorized from the the start to finish and i would get so passionate about it and would get mad if i didn't watch and i I remember my mom be like you why are you so obsessed with this thing and all i could think about as a kid was i i want to be a rock star i want to be a rock singer i mean michael jackson obviously wasn't really what you would consider as a rock singer, but, yeah, you know, you know, I mean, the the whole point of it was like, I, I just wanted to be on stage and just go nuts. And but that was provided for us in Iran, obviously. I couldn't even sing as as a woman. still to this day, you're not allowed to sing. Oh. And so there was really no opportunity there for me, therefore, going into piano lessons and auditioning as a piano student. and, uh, that is the only route that I had. And I think that's why I click so well with my um, pianist friends, because that's that was available to me. And when I moved here it was the first opportunity that I had to pursue my passion for singing. And even then, I was not aware that I could study, uh, for instance, jazz uh, vocals. I Back then, we didn't have um, pop uh, music as as a major and now there is uh, there are some universities that teach that as well but the only thing that I could think of and was available was opera studies so here we go so I became an opera singer <laughs> but it wasn't because I was overly I mean I, of course I was passionate about it and I remember the first opera CD that I listened to was um illegally obtained by one of my <laughs> friends in Iran and it was uh, it wasn't even a full opera it was a collection of various arias and instrumental music and it was I think it was a four cd collection and I used to listen to these day and night I got so obsessed with it because I couldn't imagine the things that opera singers could do with their voices and that was so fascinating to me so once I had that first opportunity to try it out I was like yes let's do it but it was like the long life passion of mine to become an opera singer. <laughs> when I tell people I sang opera and I studied opera studies for years and years, they're like, what, really? It was just, sometimes you just have to look at it from the pra- practical eye, right? <laughs> What's available and stuff. what I'll you can make money from. And that that's where you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I have, you're one of my friends who uh, study uh, opera singing and, my other really good friends who is also uh, study opera, it's just so hard to really, if you're trying to make on the stage and Mm -hmm. like there's so many good opera singers, but it it does so many other aspects, like talk about your appearance, talk about who you know, like I feel like opera feel probably is one of the centric for all those (laughs) discrimination so it's tough
0: you know this this is that other sad part of it but i i do want to go back to this 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 point that you also made about um politics of being in this field Uh, but also i want to touch on that as an immigrant too because you did study you did reach really amazing things in your career and your studies as well and You shared that you um, spent a year in Germany um, studying piano. So tell me a little bit about that and also coming to the States and continuing your education. Was it a smooth path for you or did you have to jump a thousand hoops to get there? Uh, I can
1: talk about Germany. Uh, First of all, language-wise, it was uh, was some hoops I had to jump through. Back then, so I came as a, a pair, so i can Mm -hmm. you know stay with someone they're paying me and i still can study but that you have to complete i believe either was 600 hours of uh studying in in german or 2000 Mm -hmm. hours i forgot but i have to go to shanghai to stay there for like three months to study so that was the hoop i have to jump through and my experience in germany was interesting because i was staying with a family who i think they were immigrant from turkey and mm-hmm. so the the husband owns a kind of like a high end hair salon um somewhere in stuttgart mm-hmm. uh the wife she was a designer but she got some eye problem so when i got there she was like legally blind basically she can mm. she can pick on colors she notices things moving but she can't see what it is mm. but she's a very mm. strong and smart woman but and then there were drama uh because in the contract it stated that if i don't feel safe and comfortable in the environment i could just leave and i did um i took my passport and leave and then they and later on, they bagged me, and so we made a new agreement, and my life was much easier after that. But it was a lot of things to go through, and I remember going to the Stuttgart Music Institute, having lesson was the happiest time for me. I remember I do enjoy being in a different city, and I remember like, oh, you know, like, because I know all the stores close on, on Saturday and Sunday, so there's not much you can do. It really isn't much, and but I'm like, that's a good place to study if you really want to study. There's not much distractions, but uh, distractions.
0: Was uh, Stuttgart then a uh, big hub for uh, Chinese students who wanted to study?
1: I think Stuttgart, Berlin, and Frankfurt, um, mm-hmm. there are a lot, yeah, Frankfurt, and uh, I, I think I forgot where the music school, uh, Hanover Music School, is also like a very prestigious. The yeah, Hanover up. is
0: about, yeah, a bit south of uh, Hamburg, so further up north, yeah.
1: Yeah, and then that's also like a um, a big hub for Asian, I would say, like Korean, Japan, Chinese musicians mm-hmm. go study there. But St- Stuttgart was, like, I remember one of the people I met in Stuttgart, uh, he took me to Stuttgart University, and okay. there's a lot yeah. of Asian students over there. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Was there a sort of an exchange program between Germany and China or? Um, people just
1: somehow there's a lot of uh, study abroad student, but exchange hmm. program is more like what I did as a pair. I can okay. go there, uh, do advanced study, or if you want to start, um, you know, thinking about going to college there you can go there, become a pair first, and then you can start looking to school. Mm -hmm. So, but I remember the time I was doing it, that program just got pretty popular. So that's why, yeah.
0: And did you specifically do that program as a um, sort of a gateway to come to the States or was it completely separate uh, from your next move to the States?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I was actually (laughs) going to my mom's, dream and all her plan was sent me to America right away after I graduated from my university. But at that time, it was very difficult to get visa, uh, even your, yeah. you know, clean your, you have nothing to do. And with the government or criminal, whatever you, criminal cases, they still they could just reject you simply say i feel like you wanted to stay here permanently so i don't want to give you give it to you the visa i got rejected three times uh even I, wow. i was i got scholarship um from san diego university and rice university they still reject oh, wow. me yeah so oh that's so and yeah, then that's crazy. that is and then and uh, some of our friends just suggest that maybe it's better you have a record that you went somewhere and then you still mm-hmm. came back to China and then do your visa again. So then my mom said, well, let's see if there's any like good program that's not costing so much money and then you still can do. So that's how I uh, find out about our pair uh, program. So I went to Germany for that year, which I really actually enjoyed. It. The things that I learned from uh, my teacher at Stuttgart. It was um, it was enormous. So I was I was really grateful for that experience and uh, and after that, and I was very lucky to just get a visa right away and uh, that's
0: So then yeah. you got your student visa and did you apply to graduate school before coming in and then once you got admitted, then they gave yeah. you a visa or were you okay?
1: Okay. No, I, I applied for graduate school uh, here. And I actually applied to three places, uh, Cal State's Bay, San Diego University, and Rice again. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I have relatives in the Bay Area, my mom just thinking it's better for me to be somewhere that has people uh, mm-hmm. that I know. And also, mm-hmm. I was looking at um, the piano faculty's background and mm-hmm. their bios online, and I really found my, my past piano teacher, Ellen, was, like, really good fit, so. Oh, nice. That's why I came to here, but I got my visa, they give you the student visa right away when they see that, but you do, when I got here, I do have to attend called, uh, ALP programs, a American Language Program, mm-hmm. and then you have to do, like, I did, I did like almost a year. You have to take all kinds of courses uh, relate to learning English and then you have to do pass a, uh, I forgot it was TOEFL or ESL. TOEFL, yeah. Yeah. I forgot it was either one. I have to pass that. And then, then I but I don't have to do any audition because I already passed that um, audition while I was <laughs> in China. So,
0: oh, Okay. Nice. Yeah,
1: so they they already see my video and I show my transcript, all that. So I just need to pass the language program and then, and, and then off and, you go. Yeah.
0: So then, when you got here and uh, started your graduate degree, once you finished, because uh, the graduate degree is not that long; it's only two, maybe three years at most. Yeah how did you then manage to stay afterwards were you able to get a work visa pretty easily or permanent residency
1: i you know my original plan was like after i'm done with my graduate uh degree i want to go back to europe to study more okay you know maybe get an artist diploma or something but at that time i met my ex-husband who is a composer I don't know if you remember yeah. him, but that was yeah, yeah. like during my time uh, uh, at the, uh, while I'm undergoing my master's degree at Cal State. So mm-hmm. then we got married after that because he wants me to stay. I was actually like, you know, I don't really mind. I do want to study more, but yeah. that's how actually I got my, uh, uh, what do you call it? Green card because okay. of marriage. That's- yeah. Yeah.
0: So then, I remember um, you were teaching, and then um, you were going back to China as well to visit, right? Was it regular sort of trips, or was it sort of once every ten years kind of situation? You know, it really,
1: is once once every twenty years? So I've been here fifteen years. I only been back twice. It was just oh, wow. life yeah. is just too busy, and you know the yeah, yeah just never really i wanted to make it regular but i just couldn't
0: so can i ask you a very personal question and please refuse to answer if you're uncomfortable um, with the question um so your previous marriage didn't work out um sorry about that um once you went through all of that what made you want to stay in the U S because obviously one of the topics we talk about is home and you know, where you feel you belong, what made you want to stay?
1: That's a good question. Uh, to be honest, I feel like the performance opportunity, it was much more here. You don't have to know someone to have a concert, but in China, it really is all about relationships. You're going to know this person, you're going to know that person, so you can rent a place like it, it just uh, the access for musicians isn't as easy as here you know we have so many different venues here you can rent anywhere basically you can perform in the coffee shop you you can go to a small venue have a nice piano that's just not that case in china and also i do really enjoy the music scene um I didn't know how much I love jazz until I got here. And like, jazz is awesome. And uh, It really is. Yeah, so that, and also um, there's so many musicians coming up with new ideas all the time. And I didn't know there is extent technique for piano playing. You can do yeah. things inside the piano until I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go
0: all Schwamberg on me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh what have God. you put in your strings yesterday?
1: No, they're, they're definitely crazy things. Like, you know, they put uh, they put foil in there. They put the beer bottles. and it's just Beer like, bottles, a new
0: one? I hadn't heard that one before.
1: <laughs> no, there's so many crazy things people do with piano, you know, and just other instruments too. But, like, that's probably one of the reasons... Like just the the overall environment of being a musician mm-hmm. here. Like you feel like there's so many things you have easy access to than in China.
0: Do you feel like it's more um also a bit of a uh, freedom? And I'm not just talking about freedom in terms of where to go, what to do, what to perform, but also uh, the freedom of mind to, explore and just go crazy and put a beer bottle inside of your piano
1: no for sure i i think that's definitely very different than china like you your creativity won't be limited by the the culture there does that make sense like it won't you won't you won't be able to worry about oh my god if i say this is the government gonna be okay is my people around me gonna be okay like you don't have to worry about that when you create music you know whatever you want to do it seems like it's okay yeah but in China so in a
0: way right. so in a way it seems like it's not only something that uh, people would look at uh, in terms of the creativity that you do with your art specifically but also maybe question your sanity a little bit and your proper manners or your prestige within the society is that that as well
1: yeah, I think so. I think it's just certain things you just can't talk about in China.
0: It's just it's, not proper.
1: It's just not proper and you don't wanna get into trouble. You don't want the government has their eyes on you. Um mm. and also I would say when they talk about creativity, I think this is deeply embedded in this education system. That mm. Chinese education system isn't as creative as uh, the western education system I see there's a lot of like uh, test you know they they care about test results more than other things so yeah the creativity side is not there and and then you then you just create a audience base that probably won't have open mind and then so when mm-hmm. they see new things that you don't have audience you don't have a platform how can you make a living So it's all of that. But here, you know, people see new creative things every day things when they're a kid. So they're open-minded.
0: And they embrace it, which is really cool. Yeah. Now, we did touch on it a little bit um, in terms of the government has an eye on you. Um, How is sort of the censorship like in China in terms of... Um, the music that you want to produce, obviously they're uh, much more uh, strictly bound to tradition, if you would. And do you think though, uh, in a way, if you wanted to be more creative or if you had the opportunity or if you had the right connections, you still be able to do that? Or do you think that uh, there's still a lot of censorship that happens from uh, the the government that keeps people from doing so?
1: I believe so. Um, well, first of all, it depends on what art form. If I'm just a pianist, I don't, my content doesn't relate to any lyrics that so obvious for people, that may not be a problem. But if you're a singer, you sing lyrics that you know relate to the government, yeah, you'll be in trouble. Um, but what kind of trouble it could be people cancel you, you know. Um it could be it could be you just don't get gigs anymore. They have their ways. Um I do know talk about censorship. I think I do know one of the reasons why YouTube was banned in China is because the video of Tiananmen Square. Uh, that was one mm-hmm. of the reasons. Uh, yeah. So I think now in Shanghai, some area, because Shanghai was a, was a very international city and a lot of French, uh, I think they were under some French culinary for a while. I I totally forgot, but in Shanghai, there's a lot of people from um, other countries, a lot of foreigners. So in some area in Shanghai, somehow they can access YouTube, but not everywhere in China so that's one of there the always things.
0: means to access internet illegally if you want to <laughs> yeah <laughs> can, yeah we can yeah. talk to a lot of iranians about that <laughs> you can yeah, get creative totally. but um so i'm, I'm actually uh, glad you brought up the 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 topic of uh tiananmen square there was um i think a study done uh not too long ago about uh, the knowledge of uh, folks in china living in China about that incident, uh, as well as other incidents that uh, were sort of um, widely talked about and expressed in uh, Western countries as opposed to inside of China. Was it just because of the censorship of YouTube and the internet itself? Or are there other ways that they control the speech or the free speech for that matter? And can you give me some examples?
1: I think, first of all, just in general, there's not much history writing in the textbook about Tiananmen Square. And Hmm. it's it's a lot of propaganda, you know, when you when you studied and like, I think all the way from even kindergarten all the way to college, you have to take, take some courses that basically it's telling you how great the government is. So right. they kind of brainwash you since when you were very young. And some of the history of course is not gonna be here, being a book, textbook. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember people know that Mao has some problems um, relate to the revolutionary culture and the Tiananmen mm-hmm. Square incident. But yeah. somehow they, they trying to. I forgot how they, what exactly they did, but I just kind of remember like no one really talked about it, even though everyone knows. Uh, it's just some like unspoken problem that everyone knows, but you kind of don't want to say it out loud. So um, that's
0: another thing because this is not that long ago. I mean, we're talking about eighty nine, which is. Not even 40 years ago, This yeah. thirty, thirty-four 34 years ago. But um, what about, I mean, what about parents talking about it to their children? Were they afraid that something was going to happen to their safety?
1: You know, it's funny because I know not many parents talk to their children about this. Mm-hmm. If they do, they will say, well, this happened, but don't go out say things. Like that's I what I heard the most. Um, and there's no access to the footage on, until I saw on YouTube in China. There's no way, there's no footage. You can probably find it legal I- illegally, but yeah. yeah, they definitely blocked that resource and, and no picture, nothing. And people all know what happened, but um, the thing is for people who are not in Beijing, some people probably don't even know what exactly is going on, because the information just don't travel that far. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. yeah so that that's a weird, a weird time period for people, but it's also really showed what is the culture, like,
0: in China. Yeah. And we kind of touched on it a little bit on our uh, pre-recording conversation about what it is now. So when, of course, when Mao came to power um, back in uh, late 40s, there was a lot of um, detachment from the West. And is that still the case? You you did mention that Shanghai has a lot of foreigners living within the city. Um, but what is it like now in terms of um, the relationship? Of course, not an easy relationship with the U.S. <laughs> we all know that, but... Um, what about with other countries uh, in Europe and also other Asian countries? Is the relationship pretty f- free and easy, or is it still a bit limited?
1: I think compared to Mao's time, is a day and night right now. Like, it's very open now.
0: Really?
1: Yeah, so after that, I think it was like 1980, um, there's another leader named Deng. Den, mm-hmm. And he was in Shenzhen. That's, I think, where the first city opened their door to foreigners, uh, mainly okay. investors, and that brought a lot of money and opportunities to China, and everything. That's then, nice. Yeah, <laughs> and everything. is then, nice. <laughs> I know, right? Why not? And that, that city still remains one of the richest cities in China. There's
0: okay. just so many
1: factories from uh, you know, America or European, so. Right now, it's very different, you know. Uh, of course, some of the um, internet platform from the U.S. or European is still blocked, but there's a ways you can always, you know, they call the, um, there's apps that people developed uh, that you say you can jump over the wall, and you can get access. But uh, traveling wise, I like that. Uh, <laughs>
0: I like the phrase jump over the wall <laughs>
1: like yeah, this is what they call uh one of the app is jump over the wall amazing.
0: <laughs> talk about creativity right
1: <laughs> i know i know it's fun yeah so they now talk about traveling to other uh, countries is much easier than before yeah and you were
0: talking about the uh railroad system that has been developed within china itself uh, that makes it a lot faster and easier to uh, reach other cities within china um and you did mention that you do need a visa to travel from china to the states specifically how about other countries is it easy to uh, just basically purchase a plane ticket and go i think there is
1: some city and china has agreement some the city you don't need visa uh some of the city you do but you don't have to get a visa before you can after you landed um when you go through the custom then they give okay. you the visa uh but i know for those big country like us uh uk i think you still need visa for it
0: and is it still very difficult to obtain that visa or is it easier than when you applied What's-
1: it's much easier because i remember when i got rejected three times back then you never heard like you would get like a 10-year visa uh from the u.s uh wow. government but mm-hmm. the after i got back from germany when i went to get my visa there are people they get 10 years uh visa wow. so that's what my parents have one because they visit me while i was here earlier um yeah so they, they got 10-year visa. So so that was my next
0: question. Is it easy for them to come and go? So with that 10-year visa, do you have then free passage as to come yeah. and go whenever you want to within? Oh, that's yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's much different. Even though you mentioned that, you know, U.S. and China, the relationship is kind of intense, but mm-hmm. I didn't see a big impact on people traveling.
0: Oh, that's really good. That's really yeah. good. Now to... <laughs> wrap up this really riveting conversation i'm I'm so enjoying it we talked about briefly um why you stayed and what kind of uh, got you drawn into the american culture and opportunities despite all of the difficulties that it, it also comes with would you say though that you feel at home here and what defines home for you
1: uh, that's a good question i do you know um I would say the moment I feel home here is after we purchased this house. And after this, um, is my, I think what makes home is my current husband and my two cats and our chickens They, like I'm living the life that I wanted to living. And then of course I worked hard for it, uh, but it's coming home feel like there people in the house want to see you, and then your animal wants to see you, and then that's what makes home, and just everything that, oh, you, I, get to, I get really familiar in the town that I'm living, and there's a lot lots of things, and they're very simple things, you know, to, to make you feel like home. But also at the same time, you know, sometimes to some people, even you have a very comfortable environment, they still don't feel like that's home for them but I guess I'm mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit easy to please so, so <laughs> different standards I guess
0: it's a, it's a good thing to have right? <laughs> simple pleasures right yeah
1: that's true that's true
0: <laughs> so do you think um, at any point in the future and I know this is a loaded question because who knows what's going to happen in the future but would you think that uh, Guiyang would ever be home again?
1: Yeah, I think Guiyang maybe become a vacation place for me now, not a yeah. real home. It's just because I think the most important part of my life, I was here. And mm-hmm. I kind of established my new life. And so to me, that's, that's home. Uh, but mm-hmm still I still feel like home you know you will never change the feeling for your hometown when I go back I I can see myself staying there for half a year you know mm-hmm. but to live there is what I do here probably not.
0: Gotcha and do you think that uh, being away from your parents and if I remember correctly you have a close relationship with them yeah. um, and not seeing them as often how does that change the definition of home for you or has it changed it at all
1: that's a very good question i feel it does like before i was in china i feel like home is like you're with your parents every day and Mm -hmm. you celebrate everything together it's always a big party and you know like the the distance between people is very close like just here physically everywhere you go you got to drive yeah, but you know, in China you don't. You know, I walk a lot, like to everywhere, mm-hmm. and they always big families when we celebrate holidays and birthdays. But here, I think you learn to get used to and like to being alone.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: and you you kind of force to being like enjoy how to being alone or. You know, not having a big family, how does that feel like? So the idea of home here is, my idea of home here is definitely different than when I was in China.
0: That's really cool that you mentioned that because I it was it reminded of how life was in Iran, especially as, as a child and a young adult, that everybody's together all the time. You do things together. There's always a party and. Back there, we only had, um, I'm not quite sure exactly how it is. Well, these days it's chaos, but um, back then we only had one day for the weekend, which was Friday, but it seemed like from Thursday to Saturday, such a long stretch of time because you you did so many things, like we would leave school, if we were lucky, we would be let out early and... Then my parents would come and pick me up, which was always a treat. And then we would go to parties on Thursday night, and then grandparents' house, usually on Fridays. And it's just, and of course, as a child, time is a bit longer than as you're getting older. It seems like time goes a lot faster. But I feel, as you mentioned, that solitude was very foreign to me. And now it's very near and dear to me
1: yeah and you it it could be a part of it being an adult you know you have so many things to juggle every day and having a little bit your own time is it keeps you sane so of course
0: to my last question um it can be a i've had short answers and long answers how would you identify yourself then so since your home is here now yeah would would you say you're american or you're chinese american not of the above
1: i still tell people i'm chinese um, oh, okay because i feel like you know citizenship that's just i i wouldn't say it's like your status not your mm-hmm. my identity i did not grow up in america you know mm-hmm. i'm still learning lots of things so i don't i don't really consider myself american and uh mm-hmm. it also really shows like certain uh, idea perspective about everyday life in China is very different here I'm trying to like I'm very I, I consider myself open-minded when they when it comes to other people's culture I, I'm okay to adapt their culture but like I know deep down in my mind I still have a preference you know I prefer this way instead of that way but I think I'm okay to be living in the society, you know, with American culture, but I still think I'm myself a Chinese woman.
0: I feel it's like it's it seems like it's comforting to you yeah. to have that um, yeah. in mind to to make that distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I feel like I'm very lucky that people are okay, and I even they wanted to know and are amazed about. My identity, like I feel, that's lucky,
0: you know. You know. So Uh, you said that you you have your preferences, and you know, with your identity, it's clear to you. And I think, um, (laughs) when I have these conversations about um, other folks who've immigrated to the states, and we talk about all these culture shocks and funny stories, they, (laughs) I always say, I don't think I ever could get used to it. And I just feel like there's always going to be some kind of little hints and culture shocks come come to my life that i have to get used to and and i think that's part of the experience that's part of the fun case in point like the the whole notion of like now they're talking about groundhogs day and i i had no idea what this thing was and like, i had seen a little like i don't know um animated movie or um something like a kid's show about it years and years ago so i, I kind of knew what it was but it's like the concept didn't make sense to me at all and i remember last year for the first time as my kid was in kindergarten and he came home and was like oh groundhog's day and my husband and him just started like bonding on this this animal thing the groundhog <laughs> it's like what are you guys talking about so they're like and this year finally after many times of practice I learned the name which is Poxitani Phil well that's what they call the the groundhog who comes out and I guess sees his shadow and another six weeks of winter or whatever but there is still um parts of my day-to-day life that I feel like are going to be more and more detached from my Iranian heritage in things that my children experience and the bond that they have with their dad as opposed to with me because he is from this culture and he grew up here and those terms and celebrations are very familiar to him, whereas I have to learn it with the kids and I don't have that same understanding or connection With those events or terms and cultural things,
1: yeah, I think you are totally right. And also, they did a born and raised in the U.S. and the big environment, all U.S. culture. So
0: it's yeah, and language also. You know, I I speak to them in Farsi, and of course, they always speak back in English, obviously. Um, (laughs) And my youngest one poor thing is even more confused because when he was little little we lived in Germany and so he had German coming at him English and at home we decided to speak more English than Farsi English kind of thing so now he like I speak to him in Farsi and he kind of looks at me like I don't know this this gibberish thing that you're throwing at me is like I don't know you're just like constantly in this mode of like throwing his shoulders up and down like I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. And uh, you know, unfortunately, because, as you as you also mentioned, it's difficult to travel there, not just because of the distance and also in my case, because of the political situations. Um, I can't take my kids there. So it that culture and that identity has stayed in me from twenty some years ago when I left. It's kind of encapsulated in time, But not only that, I can't introduce this to the next generation because of these blocks, because of these things that are preventing me from making sure that my children take this heritage with them, take this language, take this culture. And so that's uh, (laughs) that's the whole recap of why we're talking about identity, why we're talking about home, and why is it important to... All of us. No, I,
1: I feel like I, I feel that too. Like I'm away, you know, just the things. Just because you are in a totally different country, you know, just yeah. pure, simply like that, and then you, are you start getting far away from your culture. Like you. Mm-hmm. One quick thing I want to point it out because it is, mm-hmm. I think, tomorrow. Uh, in, on Sunday, it's the last day of Chinese uh New Year, so mm-hmm. we celebrate like 15 days and. And in, in China, we never, my, par- my parents, they never decorate the house. But that, <laughs> the feel of the celebration just, just there. You don't need to decorate your house.
0: It's in the air. But yeah.
1: It's in the air. And then, like here, like me and my husband, he loves it too. He loves lights and he loves that. Decor- so we decorate our house like crazy, like all the lanterns and all that. And then to make you feel like home. Uh, yeah. But in China, you know, no, no anybody is doing that that much mm-hmm. so and i still wanted to grab on my definitely grab my roots and my culture but it's
0: different you want to preserve what you can
1: yeah yeah really, so really. it's important because that really is me who i am you know yeah. born and raised there I, I have a quick question for you like mm. when did you move to the u.s
0: i moved here in 2000
1: oh really yeah yeah Wow. I didn't know that. I did really? not know that at
0: all. <laughs> when, when, when did you think? How long did you think I was here for? I, I saw you were born and raised here. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: no it's just because you look so... It's just very natural in your environment, talking to people. And it's never occurred in my mind that you actually only been here since 2000. Like, I really thought you were born and raised
0: here. That's, that's awesome. too funny. <laughs> yes, no, I, I completely was not born and raised here. I actually had finished high school, and I was admitted to university when before I moved wow. here. Yeah, so, oh, that's cool. yeah, it's been a while since I've been here. Now I can officially say I've been in the States longer than I have lived in Iran.
1: Uh, but yeah. I long but not that long yeah but when you and I left our our country we're you know pretty much aware our identity you know who we are and the things we grew up so
0: absolutely I think um one of my cousins who um was born and raised here and uh, she's a few years older than me um she told me something when after uh we moved to the states and um I didn't know her. I had never met her until I moved here. And she told me something interesting, um, which didn't make any sense to me at the time. She said, you are much more Iranian than I am. And to me, it was such an odd thing to say. It's like, what do you mean? Your parents are both Iranian. And (laughs) how, how much more Iranian can you get? And it took me several years to understand that she was absolutely right. And she doesn't speak the language. She, um, even though her mom celebrates all of the Persian holidays um, very thoroughly and religiously every year, I mean, more so than we ever did in Iran, kind of go back to what you mentioned about decorating your house and things like that. Like she would celebrate the Persian New Year, I mean, above and beyond. She would bake all of these really traditional cookies that i didn't really have when I even lived in Iran so it was just like really over the top and so I thought to myself like actually in some ways you're actually more iranian than I am but didn't didn't quite get what she was saying but looking back I understand that that identity is not there for her because she didn't even though she did experience bits and parts of this culture but it was always a secondhand kind of experience it wasn't Immersed in the country, with inside of that culture, in the language, like you mentioned, when it's Persian New Year in Iran, yes, we do our table decoration, but it's it's sort of in the air. You know that it's coming because it's the first day of spring, so the the weather is changing. Usually, the the look and feel of the the city changes a bit because you have longer days. You know, so there are things from nature that kind of give you that feel of, okay, we're arriving to the new year. And of course, the, the two weeks break is always helpful as well with tons of homework. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> right?
0: Thanks a lot. You're ruining my <laughs> holidays. But, you know, it isn't done as grandiose here. We do also have the 13 days of celebration, which on the 13th day we go out on this picnic outdoors and we spend a day outside Um, so we do those things but for her it was more of a thing that mom does on first day of spring Mm. as opposed to just as as a nation the whole country sort of moves towards the new years and it's it's, I don't know how to explain it it really is in the air you feel it in the air there are no decorations really outside like people don't back then i don't know how they do it nowadays but back then nobody decorated outside of their shop for example or outside of the house
1: right right No, no i think you are totally right like you can do like what your um i believe is your auntie doing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: yeah all those things be above and beyond but There is no that big environment, the community here that you can really be like immersed into the community and then grow up that way. It's it's very different, like the Chinatown, here it's like so authentic, but still, it's not like any city
0: in China, you know. So, that's so interesting, and I'm so glad you mentioned that because it's like, yeah, we have the biggest Chinatown in North America in San Francisco, and that yeah. must feel like home, but that's so interesting that doesn't feel like home because it's again, it kind of keeps things in a time capsule and they yeah. want to preserve that, but yeah, that is yeah. not what you experience in China. That's really interesting. Yeah, not
1: that. at all. And then, you know, most of like, I know at least in California, all those Chinatowns, they're mainly people from Canton or mm-hmm. uh, Hong Kong. So I didn't grow up in Can- Canton or Hong Kong. It's totally yeah. different culture yeah, yeah. than yeah. my hometown. So, so yeah, it's like, yeah, you see, you know, Chinese people there, but it's not the same at all.
0: You You, you don't really quite relate with them. Not really. it's yourself. more like That's a
1: it's more like a touristy spot for people to go, you know.
0: I feel like we get bits and parts of different cultures depending on who established these places like Chinatown or um, festivals. Who started this? You know, they're displaying their culture and not yeah. the entire country and communities. That's really cool.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That's well said. Yeah.
0: Awesome, Emily. Thank you so much.
1: You're very welcome, Sarah. It's my pleasure. I'm really yeah. glad to see you're doing such an awesome podcast. Oh, thank it's you. Really
0: cool. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I, I hope uh, I come back and talk to you more about this uh, and uh, learn more from you. So I appreciate please that. Sure. Take care.
1: You too. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. Please join me next time for other amazing stories and experiences of immigrants and expats. Until then, I wish you well.